Hey, when somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I got good news, how do you react to that? I got good news. Um, some of you are like, well, it depends on who says I got good news. And if it's somebody that you trust, if it's somebody that you respect, someone who mostly tells the truth, typically we lean in a little bit, right? We're like, oh, you got good news. Tell me, tell me. And they tell us the good news. And if it's good news, particularly if it's unexpected good news, um, you will listen to it, and then you might even go look into it a little bit more, right? You might say, all right, uh, I'm going to ask some other people. Maybe they experienced this good news, or maybe I'm going to get online and, and Google it and see if I can read about other people who've experienced the good news. Um, let's just say that uh, hypothetically, let's say that you were to uh, come up uh, to me and, um, and say, hey, I was, at, I was at Wegmans the other day. And, uh, and I went over to the cooler section, and I found some Wegmans ice cream, right? If you were to, to say, it has been 10 months since I found peanut butter Sunday, I would say to you, man, that is some good news because we've been out of it for like 10 months. And after the 11 o'clock service, I would go down to Wegmans, and I would buy every single carton in the cooler, and I would go to Home Depot and buy a freezer so that I could hold them all because they'll probably be out for another 10 months, right? That would be good news. And I would lean in, and I would go investigate, and I would get as many of them as I possibly could. Now, if you've been following the news lately, which most of us have, we've heard the good news that help is on the way, right? Good news is coming. A vaccine is on the way. And, and for some of you, I've, I've had some interesting conversations the past few weeks about this vaccine. And some of you are like, I think I'm going to wait a while. And I'm going to see how it plays itself out. Others of you are like, I'm going to get it immediately. But most of us would say it is good news, especially for the most vulnerable among us who can take advantage of the vaccine. But all of us, all of us, when we heard that the vaccine is coming, at least I would guess all of us, maybe most of us, we investigated it a little bit, right? We, we went to our, our favorite news source and we read an article or two about it, or maybe we watched a little clip on the vaccine because that's what happens when you get good news. You, you listen, you lean in, you do a little bit of research, and you investigate when you hear about the good news. Now, the good news in the Greek, when we read uh, this, this term that's translated good news, it's the word euangelizo, which is where we get the word evangelism. Right? It's kind of a little bit of a churchy word. Um, how you doing in evangelism, which just means, are you sharing the good news? Are you spreading the good news? It could be translated glad tidings, right? We translate it with the word gospel. The word gospel comes from two old English words, meaning uh, the first word is goad, which means good or spell which simply means story. So gospel literally means good story or good news. So here's what we're going to celebrate uh, for the next few weeks as we get into this whole theme of good news. And the good news is simply this, that, it is, that God is with us, right? We have this in the, the back of the, the worship center here. God with us. That's what Christmas is all about, right? That the God of the universe put on human flesh and came to us, not in a palace, not with a fancy title, not with regal robes, but he came to us to be with us, to demonstrate to us what God is like, and ultimately to be the savior or the deliverer for mankind. Right? Now, if the original version of the gospel is good news, or if the original version of the Yuan Galizo is good news, why are people leaning away? 
lot of people lean away from this, right? There might be some of you in the room right now, or even if you're watching a line and you would say, you know what? I grew up in a church where they presented a form of the gospel that didn't come across as very good news, right? Uh, maybe it came across as irrelevant or kind of boring or it didn't really apply to my life or I couldn't really understand it. Maybe you grew up in an environment where the gospel was presented to you as law, not gospel, but law. Like you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to follow A, B, C, D. And if you do, then you will be accepted by God. And so some of you, as a result, you leaned away from the gospel for years, right? Maybe, maybe some of you leaned away and you're just now starting to come back to it. And if that's you, I'm just glad you're here and I'm glad you're watching online because we want to lean back into, because the original version of the gospel, the original version of the euangelion was really, really Good news. Again, if the original version, why are so many people leaning away? Um, Barna Research Group, who recently did a study, tells us that 64% of U.S. 18 to 29-year-olds who grew up in the church have withdrawn from church involvement. Why is that? Why is that when the original version of the good news caused people to lean in? Um, today, I, I want to talk to you uh, about a few people, but one guy in particular, um, he grew up in the 60s, the 60s AD, so about three decades after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. His name was Theophilus, and he had a title called Most Excellent, which, which simply means he was a, a man of, of means. He was maybe a noble. Maybe he was a famous man. Maybe he was part of the Roman nobility, right? That'd be a pretty good title to be called Most Excellent, wouldn't it? Like, nice to meet you, Most Excellent Adam, instead of Pastor Adam. It'd be nice to call you Most Excellent Adam. That was his title, Most Excellent Theophilus. And um, here's what we know about Theophilus that he, he grew up maybe in a pagan environment, you know, where the Roman worldview told you that there were many different gods, many paths to heaven. Somewhere along the line, he was told the good news. And probably this is what happened, is he believed the good news, and then he started to get instructed about the good news of Jesus Christ. And so he's learning about it. And then one day, Theophilus says, you know what, I, I want to hire a guy to be an investigative journalist, to go out and talk to people who experienced Jesus Christ while he was on this earth. And I'm going to pay him to go out and do some journalism and then to copy it or to write it down so that I can believe with certainty the good news of Jesus Christ. Not only that, but this man whom he hired made several copies of this original document, which was circulated throughout the Mediterranean world. Now, this man, Theophilus, hired a guy named Dr. Luke. Now, Dr. Luke obviously was a doctor. Uh, he was a man who traveled around with the Apostle Paul. They traveled throughout the Mediterranean world. Um, as a doctor, he was extraordinarily interested in details, right? How many of you, just raise a hand, how many of you are in the medical field? We got a couple of you. Let me just say thank you to what you're doing right now, being part of this community. This is a this is a tough time to be in the medical field, and and we are super grateful for what you're doing for our community right now. Now, I, I served in the medical field once, sort of. This is what I did. This is the closest I ever came to the medical field. I served in a group home, and in this home, there were three men um, who needed lots of medication. So I had to give them medication, then I had to record it. Well, one day I gave this young man his medication, but I forgot to record it and I got suspended for a whole week. 
which told me that if you are in the medical field, am I right about this? That if you don't properly document things, then you're going to be in big trouble. So Dr. Luke was incredibly interested in the details, right? Um, you may have not known this. Dr. Luke actually was not a disciple of Jesus. We don't know for sure, but he may have never even met Jesus. But again, he was hired by Theophilus to interview a bunch of people and to write down the good news of Jesus Christ. Interestingly, Luke was the most prolific author in the New Testament. Right? He wrote about 2,000, 2, he wrote 2,157 verses. He wrote more verses than Paul, but if you combine Luke and Paul, who again, they were good friends, they spent a lot of time together. At one point, Paul got sick and Luke took care of him as they traveled throughout the Mediterranean world planning all these churches. Luke and Paul combined wrote, to be exact, 52% of the New Testament. So here's Dr. Luke, a guy who's very interested in all of the details. He goes around, he interviews people, he investigates, and he writes down his findings. And here's the very first thing that Dr. Luke writes in his good news or his gospel about Jesus Christ. This is what he says. Many Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have, been made, that have been fulfilled among us. Now, in these days, in biblical days, not many things got written down because writing utensils were expensive, scrolls were expensive, and most people couldn't read or write. So the only people who got stuff written down were generals, were politicians, people who were really important and made a big impact in the world. Now, that's a little bit hard for us to understand who live in this contemporary Western world because biographies are written all the time. With social media, you can do it for free. Now, quick question. How many people are going to write a biography about you and me in a world where it's free or it's extraordinarily inexpensive? How many people are going to write a biography about us? The answer is zero or best case scenario, not Many, and yet, for Jesus, many people. You say, why would so many people, we have four accounts of the life of Jesus, why would so many people take up this project to write the story of Jesus? Here's why. Because something extraordinary happened in this little part of the world where a man who was poor, not born in a palace, was not a government official, he only traveled about 30 miles, made an extraordinary Extraordinary impact. So much so that people said, we're going to write the good news about his life. So many people decided to take up or to compile the narratives of this man who has done such great work. Verse 2, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. So Luke says, okay, I've been, I've been paid Right? This is my job. Theophilus has paid me to go out and to interview the eyewitnesses, to interview people that were actually there, who listened to Jesus' teachings. Right? 30% of the content of Luke's gospel is not in the other gospels. So they shared part of their information, and 30% of it, or one-third of his entire gospel, isn't in the other. So he did quite a bit of research and interviewed people who saw Jesus teach, who saw him die on the cross, who witnessed his resurrection. He says, I met with the eyewitnesses. Therefore, since I myself 
have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. It seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Why? Why would we do this? So that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Luke says, Theophilus, I, I know that you've been, you've been taught orally, right? This word, this word taught is the Greek word katechesis, which is where we get the word catechesis or catechumen. Some of you may have grown up in the Catholic church where you take catechesis, which simply means you've been taught orally, right? In this day and age, people were taught orally. It was an oral tradition. Again, most people didn't read or write. So he says, Theophilus, you've learned through oral tradition, and now I've gone out to write it down so that you may believe with certainty. Theophilus, you can believe with integrity that the good news of Jesus Christ is, in fact, true. Isn't it amazing that here we are 2,000 years later, and perhaps if it weren't for Theophilus's desire to know with certainty, we wouldn't have the gospel of Luke. But Luke said, all right, I've written it down. I've thoroughly investigated it, that it is good news. So lean in and listen and investigate it, right? You're not, you're not asked to have just blind faith, right? When people just say, ah, you just need to believe. That's not what God asks you to do. So lean in, listen, and investigate to the original version of the good news. Because Luke says, it actually has the power to change your life. Here's how Luke described it. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, we read this every year, right? And if, if you've been around, you've, you've heard this story. If you've watched Charlie Brown's Christmas, you've, you've heard this story many, many times. But I just want you to think about what it might have been like to be a shepherd 2,000 years ago, right? I was talking to my friend Jeff the other day. He grew up in Oregon. And he said he, he used to witness these shepherds out in the field, you know, and they had, they had rough faces from being out in the sun all day. He said, Jeff told me, he said, I would, I, they'd be the last people that I would expect to receive the message of this good news, right? You have these guys, they're kind of blue-collar workers, right? They got thick, rough calluses on their hands. Their, their faces are a little beaten. I mean, their job every day and every night, because look, listen, they were living out in the fields. They didn't work nine to five and then come home and have a meal and watch TV at night and go to bed in their warm beds. They were living out in the fields, making sure that the sheep didn't jump off the cliff, right? making sure that, Predators didn't come, and if predator didn't come, they'd pull out their slingshot and take them out to protect their sheep. This was a tough, difficult job. And none of these shepherds anticipated anything good or anything miraculous happening in their lives. They were nobodies. I mean, we don't even know the shepherds' names. None of these shepherds anticipated that one day, you know, you know, one day I might get my name on the front of the newspaper, right? None of them envisioned that perhaps we would see Joe the shepherd slaves a wolf from 100 yards away, right? None of them imagined that they would see Shepherd Gus rescues Sean the sheep from falling off the cliff. 
That would never happen to them. They just lived a mundane, hard-working job where they just got up and they did their job day after day after day, and they never saw anything miraculous. This would be more likely what the headlines would look like that they saw. Herod raises taxes again, and we got to pay more taxes again. So here's the shepherds. Out in the fields, it's just a normal night. The stars are out. It's probably cold. And all of the sudden, all of the sudden, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, as you would be terrified as well. Now, I'm not exactly sure what this means, the glory of the Lord shone around them. I I imagine that the light was so bright that they just had to hide behind a rock somewhere. Can you imagine being out in the fields and all of a sudden an angel shows up? You'd be terrified as well. So the angel, now the angel starts talking and says, do not be afraid, I bring you, there's our word, Good news. I bring you euangelion. I bring you the gospel of great joy that will be for all the people. And the original hearers of Luke's account would say, all the people, like even the Gentiles, yeah, even the, Gen- even the Romans, even the Greeks, all the people will experience this good news. Blue-collar shepherds, white-collar government officials, people who can read, people who are illiterate, no matter what part of the tracks you're from, no matter what political persuasion you are, no matter what your past is like, that the gospel, the good news has come for all people. And the shepherds are like, Even us, like us regular blue-collar folk who just kind of do our mundane job day after day. Yeah, even for you. That today, today, in the town of David, the town of Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. A Savior has been born to you. The Savior of the world who has come to deliver his people. And when the shepherds, because these are probably normal Jewish men taking care of their sheep at night, when they hear the, the term Christ, lights start to ring, or bells start to ring out in their mind because they know what the word Christ means. Right? It's the Greek word meaning anointed one. It's the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew term Messiah, meaning deliverer or rescuer. And just think about this for a moment. Here's the shepherds out in the fields taking care of their sheep, and they see an angel. The glory of the Lord shines around them. They are terrified, and then it gives them the message that the Christ is coming. I mean, these shepherds, these shepherds are probably like, you, you, what? and also, by the way, you got the sheep who are probably shocked as well. And this news is probably really good for the sheep too, right? Because the, the sheep are like, Savior, does that mean that because Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world after he dies, does that mean we don't have to be sacrificed anymore, (laughs) right? So that's really good news if you're a sheep. But the shepherd are like, okay, hold on a second, hold on a second. When I hear that word Christ, here's what I think about. Again, probably what's going through the shepherd's mind is 
700 BC, right? 700 years prior to this evening, the prophet Isaiah made a statement or made a prophecy that went like this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. You know what Emmanuel means? It means God with us. And the shepherds are like, okay, okay. The Christ is the fulfillment of the ancient prophecy from 700 years. And you're telling us, mere shepherd boys working the fields, I've never seen anything miraculous in my entire life. And now you're telling me that this fulfillment, the long-awaited Messiah, has been born today. They say, yep, yep, and this will be a sign. This will be a sign to you that you will find a baby wrapped You know, this is why we wrap Christmas presents. I just made that up. (laughs) You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And they're like, he's going to be lying in a manger? I mean, a manger is this little thing where you put hay in it and animals eat out of it. They're like, this is the Messiah and he's going to be born in an animal feeding trough? What? And you're announcing it to us, and then suddenly, now it gets even more terrifying, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. So now we've, we've gone from one lonely angel to an army of angels. And not only do we have an army of angels, and the sky is lit up, but we've got singing angels And they sing, and they praise God, and they say, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace. Right? You talk about peace today in Advent? Peace. How do we get peace? We get peace not because of what we do. We get peace because God has come with us and for us. And we get favor resting on us, not because of what we've done, not because of law, but because of gospel, because of good news, because of what Jesus is about to do for us. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? And then Luke goes on. Again, I've carefully investigated this. I've interviewed people. Luke goes on. He says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Right? Bethlehem, the city of bread, the town of David, and see this thing that has happened. It has happened. It wasn't just made up. It wasn't just from a galaxy far, far away. It wasn't just once upon a time. It happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they get the good news in this miraculous way, and they lean in, and now they're about to go and investigate and look for the sign. So they hurried off, and hopefully none of the sheep fell off the cliff because they were gone. But they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. <laughs> and, and you know, for, for, for the first time in 430 years, because that was the last verse in the Old Testament, right? God took a 430 year break from speaking to the Israelites. For the first time in 430 years, God spoke, but it wasn't in words. It was in the cry of a newborn baby. And the shepherds show up, and they're like, this is amazing. 
that the Christ child, whom we've waited for 700 years, is lying in an animal feeding trough. And when they had seen him, they spread the word. They evangelized. They spread the good news. They spread the gospel concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary doesn't really know what to think at this point. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. See, the, the original version of the good news caused people to lean in. Good news. I got good news. Euangelion, gospel, I got good news. And they leaned in, and they listened, and they investigated, and they believed. And they gave their lives to something that happened. You see, if you're here today, and you struggle believing, God doesn't ask you to have blind faith. He says, investigate it. That's what Theophilus did, right? This young guy who's getting catechumenized or whatever the word is, who's getting taught, said, hey, I need to believe with certainty. So Luke, will you go out and you investigate? Luke's like, sure, I'll go out and I'll investigate. And he comes back and he says, you can believe with certainty that these things actually happened. So here's the question for all of us this Christmas season. It's, will you lean in? Will you lean in to the Christmas story, right? Because isn't it true that right now, I mean, we got so much going on. There's so much news. There's so much bad news out there. There's so much fake news out there. And God just wants to say to you this morning, it's a simple message. Would you lean in? Would you listen? Would you investigate? Would you take some time? to lean in, to press in to the good news, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. How are you going to lean in? What are you going to do to lean in over the course of the next month? I've got one idea for you. I've got one idea. Um, there's a Bible app called the YouVersion Bible app, and they come up with a devotional called The Good News of Great Joy written by John Piper. It's a 25-day devotional. I spent some time looking at it yesterday, and I found it to be very helpful in terms of leaning into the good news of Jesus Christ, this Christmas story. I'm going to start it today, and I would ask those of you who are currently not on a reading plan to join me the next 25 days. You could spend five minutes doing this. It's a short devotional and then a few verses that you read afterwards. You could spend 10 minutes. You could do it by yourself. You could do it with your spouse. You could do it with a friend. But this is just a simple, practical way for us to lean in this Christmas season. And then I have three questions for you. And I'm going to leave these three questions up. If you're watching online, um, you can uh, find these questions on our Facebook page. Uh, you can take a picture with your phone. I would love it. If after this service, if you're sitting on your couch right now and you want to do this with your family or after this service, for those of you who are in the room, 
that you would just take these three questions and just have a conversation with your spouse or your friend or your kids, whomever it might be. And go ahead and just ask these three questions that will help us lean in this Christmas season. Here's the first question. Did the good news ever feel like bad news to you? Did you grow up in a church where it felt like bad news? Were you taught in such a way where it felt like, ah, I'm not sure this is good news. If that's the truth, and if you had fear over it, because the angel said, do not fear, then you weren't presented the original version of the gospel. So did the good news ever feel like bad news? And if you now believe in the good news, what was it that changed for you? It's a discussion question worth uh, going over with some people. Number two. What would it take for you to believe with certainty? Especially those of you who are in the room or online and you're struggling with doubt. What would it take for you to believe that it happened? What would it take for you to say, I can believe with integrity that the shepherds did in fact experience angels that night, that God did in fact show up in the flesh, that Jesus did, in fact, die on a cross and rise again three days later. What would it take for you to believe with certainty? Because again, again, Jesus never asked you to simply have blind faith. If somebody says, ah, oh, you just need to believe. He didn't ask Theophilus to do that. He didn't ask Luke to do that. He didn't ask the disciples to do that. All of them carefully investigated these events, and they came to the realization that it actually did happen. And then number three. When and where will you lean in? Last year, we did this series called Habits. And in one of those messages, we said that if you're going to create a habit in your life, you need to have a time and a place. Because if you don't have a time and a place and you just hope it happens, hope is not a good strategy. So do you have a time and a place where you will lean in. Again, my challenge for you is that you would do this devotional. Maybe you'll do it the last thing you do before you go to bed. Maybe you'll do it the first thing in the morning. Maybe you'll do it over lunchtime. But if you pick a time and a place, you are more likely to actually spend time leaning in. So here's the message as we get ready to finish up today, that it is in fact good news. The best news you'll ever hear, that God is with us, that God has come not only with us, but for us, that he's the savior of the world, that he's the Messiah, that he's the Christ who has come to deliver us from our sin. That's the best news you'll ever hear. And it is worth leaning into and it is worth investigating. And at the end of the day, it is worth giving your life to. So will you lean in? Will you press in more today than you did yesterday? Will you press in more this Christmas season than you did last Christmas season in hopes that the good news will fill you up? Because today, a Savior has been born in the city of David, and he is Christ the Lord. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this good news. It is life-changing news. For some of us, it's altered the way we do everything. For others of us, we still doubt, we still struggle. God, would you meet us where we are? Wherever we are in our journey of faith, would you meet us there? Would you speak to us? Would you communicate to us how much you love us, that you have come to save us, that you have come to be our Messiah, our deliverer, and ultimately our King? 
We love you, and we praise you, and we exalt your name, and we sing with the angels, glory to God in the highest. We pray this in the matchless, majestic, awesome name of the God of the universe who is with us, Emmanuel. Pray this in his name. Amen. Well, thank you for being here this morning. Thanks for watching online. And we will see you next week for part two of the good news. Have a great day, everyone.